meteorological summer has arrived. arrived. And it's time for the Weather Jazz Podcast Science Camp. Grab your swim gear and let's dive in. No textbooks needed. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another, wow, mega stuffy edition of Weather Jazz. We're stuck in a humid pattern for this early in September, and it feels like summer. Feels like we should be jumping into a pool, right? Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and more. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bronier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. And this is episode number 201 for Wednesday, June 9, 2021. Well, get a good show for everybody today. We're going to be talking about a number of things in the science realm. One of the meteorological, I'm going to save that one for last. And the first one is kind of, sort of, meteorologically related in a very strange sense. In actuality, we'll be talking and tackling uh, some chemistry today. And to do that, we're going to go to, yep, that's right, the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. And Frank had a great question. I alluded to this on Monday, so I'm just going to let him fire that first question off, and we'll tackle this first subject. So here we go. Frank from Norwalk with a great question. Go. Hi, Andre. This is Frank from Norwalk. Just saw your uh, thing about your Uncle Arthur's barometer. So... That brings up to a question in my mind. When I was a child, quote-unquote, Santa Claus brought me a weather owl. This uh, weather owl was a porcelain-type thing that had white feathers on its chest. And you would watch the uh, feathers or look at them in the morning, you know. And I forget how it was. If they was pink, it was going to rain. If they they were white, the weather was fine. And if they uh, were blue... It seemed like they changed three different colors, eh? but I can't really remember all that. But the thing was uncanny how it was accurate. So what was going on with that? It was um, the feathers on the chest did feel different than uh, the rest of the thing. So what, what could have that been? Thank you. Great question, Frank, and I know the answer. I'm always happy when I know the answer. In fact, when Frank was mentioning that he had a weather owl, I had, when I was very, very young, a weather dog. Um, I had two of them. I had a, a little poodle that would change colors, but I also had a, a dog face whose eyes were changing colors it was a piece of paper that was painted with this substance that was a good predictor of weather so the question remains is what is that substance and what were the colors you are correct about the three colors frank blue purple and pink and occasionally some would turn white as well And I'll explain what the colors uh, mean in just a little bit. But first of all, 
what is this substance or solution or dried solution that would change color to indicate a weather change. And that substance is called cobalt chloride. And I remember cobalt chloride well because my brother-in-law, who was, uh, oh, probably about 10 years uh, plus older than me, he was dating my sister. They were actually engaged uh, pretty early uh, when I was a youngster, and he knew of my uh, interest in meteorology, my obsession, really, in meteorology. And in his chemistry class in college, he was able to get a hold of this cobalt chloride solution, and he actually gave me a bottle later that I could paint on things and could bring outside and watch the colors change with the weather. Now, what is cobalt chloride? So cobalt chloride, according to Wikipedia, is an inorganic compound of cobalt and chlorine. The formula is COCl2, and it is essentially a a desiccant. Desiccants indicate how much moisture is around in things and has the ability to absorb moisture when it it is around. When there's no moisture around, the painted solution, which dries, it becomes a crystalline substance, And this crystalline substance remains blue when it is not bonded to any water molecules hanging around. So when the weather is fair and when there's no humidity in the atmosphere, if you have one of these devices, an owl or a dog or a poodle or whatever it is that you have, it has to be outside, obviously, because it's indicating outdoor humidity. When the humidity is dry, it is blue. So when the device is blue, it usually meant that the weather would remain fair. When this cobalt chloride solution began to bond with water molecules, when water molecules were available in the air in this case, it would turn pink. So if you had a pink poodle or a pink owl or a pink dog's eyes that I painted, that would indicate, especially during the afternoon hours, that the humidity levels were high and that there was enough water vapor in the air to condense into some form of rain or snow at some point. And really, it would have to be a better indicator in the afternoon because in the morning, the relative humidity on most mornings, even on clear, calm, and cool mornings, that relative humidity is high because the temperature is close to the dew point. So if you looked at it in the morning, more often than not, it would be pink. It didn't really matter what time of year that you were watching this. So you reserved it for the midday to afternoon hours, and sure enough, it was a good weather indicator of moisture that was beginning to build up in the atmosphere in the afternoon. So if you saw a change from blue to pink, and the uh, position in the middle, if you mix the two colors, is purple. So that secondary color, the one right in the middle of between blue and pink is purple. So if you saw it going from blue to purple, you knew that the weather was changing. It was becoming a little more humid. And if it went pink, well, there was a ton of moisture in the air to work with for the atmosphere to start squeezing out some rain showers. And 
some of these actually uh, involved a temperature change so that if the temperature went under 32, the pink would then turn to white, which would indicate that there would be enough moisture in the atmosphere for snow and not rain. Of course, you could do that by simply looking at your backyard thermometer in most cases, but still, nonetheless, in some cases, if uh, they did something to the solution, and I'm not sure what that would be, a fourth color would come in. My poodle would do that. It was actually a little stuffed poodle with uh, legs and fur that were painted with this cobalt chloride solution that would turn blue when it's fair Uh, Purple, when it's changing in either direction, either toward drier or wetter. Pink, if there was plenty of moisture available for the production of precipitation. And white, if the temperature was under 32 degrees so that you knew you'd be dealing with snow and not rain. So empirically, there is a design to this cobalt chloride. It is simply a desiccant in the sense that uh, it uh, is able to react to how much moisture there is in the atmosphere if you have the crystalline, uh, the painted surface, actually interacting with the outdoor atmosphere. And I would imagine Frank had to have this thing outside, not inside, because inside it probably wouldn't change very much. So there is your answer to the cobalt chloride mystery. I will provide a link to cobalt chloride on Wikipedia if you want to read more about it. Lots of technical stuff on it, but still it's an interesting read if you are so inclined. That link will be available on weatherjazz.com, episode number 201. Well, coming up after the break, we'll look at your home barometer. A lot of people like to watch their barometers. It's uh, really much more interesting in other seasons other than the summer and when we come back i'm going to show you exactly why that is and show you a really good example so hang tight we'll be right back all right everybody we are back and talking about home barometers Those of you that are Weather Jazz listeners, you know about my uncle Arthur's barometer. We learned about that in episode number 199 last Friday, Open Line Friday. And if this is your first time to Weather Jazz, do yourself a favor and go back two episodes to episode 199 and listen to the tale of how my uncle Arthur's barometer actually sits on my wall. It's a fascinating tale. It's a great barometer, one of the most sensitive pieces of equipment and barometers that I know of, and it still is to this day. It hangs on my wall here in my production studio for Weather Jazz, and I check it somewhat regularly. For the last couple of days, the barometric pressure, while it has varied a little bit, has not been fluctuating a whole lot. It's a pretty stable weather pattern, and you will see a graph that I will post on weatherjazz.com, episode number 201. You'll see the June trace, and it hovers right around 30 inches even, plus or minus a little bit. There are some minor variations up and down 
But there were times in the last uh, three or four days where I've tapped the glass and the needle hasn't moved. And I thought, wait a minute, hmm, is my barometer broken? And, uh, of course, it's very tempting to do that in the summertime. The reason being is the surface pressure doesn't change a whole lot in the summertime. And there are dynamic reasons for that in the atmosphere. You see, the jet stream in the summertime has lifted north. So one of the driving aspects of big storms would be a jet stream, which is active and what I tend to call kinked up. Instead of flowing east-west very gently like a lazy river, it has these wild gyrations up and down. You've seen the charts on the winds aloft chart that we show on television, whether it's a national weathercast or whether it's a local television weathercast, because the winds aloft essentially drives the lower-level pressure systems. And when you have these giant dips, which is so much more prevalent in the winter, you have the potential for storm generation, giant low-pressure systems, and in addition to that, on the backside of that, high-pressure systems with very cold, dense Arctic air, which slip out of Canada. Usually, when you have some of the coldest air of the season, look at your barometer, and the barometer is sky-high. There's just a lot of dense air when you have a lot of surface chill to the atmosphere. But in the summertime, with that jet stream lifting north and really evening out, there are some bumps, some dips and doodles, etc. There always is, but they're much fewer in number than there would be, for instance, in the wintertime. Now, take a look at the trace. The trace that I have on weatherjazz.com, episode number 201 will show you the June trace. It's the blue line. It is the last three days. And this is why I've tapped my glass on my barometer and wondered, is this thing working? Well, it's a pretty stable looking picture, right around 30 inches, really for the last three days. Hasn't changed a whole lot. Then I thought, okay, let me transpose on top of that a same or similar period in the month of January. And this is the most recent January. So this is really only five months back. And you will see in that three-day period, roughly the same three-day period except five months back, you're going to see a very high barometer. And it was cold when the barometer was that high at 30.57 inches or so. And then you'll see a very quick three-day decline that essentially led our way to a storm center that moved in. So we went from roughly 30.6 inches, just to round up a little bit, all the way down to 29.4 inches. And that is over one inch of mercury. That is a huge drop. And when you look at the scale, it is very, very clear that wintertime sees ups and downs far more frequently and far faster than you will ever see in the month of June, July, and August because the jet stream has lifted north, the temperature is pretty stable, and instead of looking at these big systems, and you can't have that, by the way, big systems going in and out of the area, you have a lot of systems that are simply uh, little nuanced systems that are passing through, bubbling up thunderstorms, etc. 
in the summertime as a postscript about the only time that you will see a huge barometric pressure drop and a significant and a fast one would be along the East Coast or the Caribbean during a hurricane. Hurricanes are those systems that come by uh, very uh, unusually strong in the summertime for low-pressure systems, but they're hurricanes. They are warm water-fueled, and if you put out a barometer, on an island that has a hurricane cross, or if you're up and down the East Coast. I used to live in New Bedford, right along the south coast of Massachusetts, and every once in a while we had a hurricane either glide by the area or uh, actually move overhead. And when it did, the barometer, boy, did that ever go down quick. And as the hurricane moves away, the barometer rose just as rapidly. So that's about the only exception to the very stable barometer rule. Uh, other than that, it is a, a pretty quiet season for barometer watchers. You will see some nuances, and that's what you have to get used to in the summertime. Look for the nuances up and down, and you will see perhaps some correlation when systems move in and out of the area. I hope that's helpful to you. Again, check the graph on weatherjazz.com, episode number 200 and one and you'll see what i mean that's going to wrap up today's edition of weather jazz hope you enjoyed it and i hope that you will spread the word about this podcast to those folks inside your sphere of influence you know weather weather chatter and that kind of thing always comes up when you meet folks that you know either on the street or whether you're calling them on the telephone or even texting them from time to time well, let them know about Weather Jazz, especially if you get something out of it. Say, hey, I think I've got a podcast that you may like. Even if they don't have a podcast app on their phone or don't use one, or maybe they don't even know how to use one, that's okay. Because virtually everybody goes to a computer and you can listen to Weather Jazz on a web browser. Just go to weatherjazz.com. The player is always embedded in every single podcast episode that you see, so you can listen to it right on your desktop. I try to make it as easy as possible. If you have a question or a topic suggestion, especially since Open Line Friday is coming, and by the way, please remember that I am going to announce the winner of our little contest for my book, The Extra Mile, the one that I started uh, during the episode 199 about my uncle's barometer. So uh, if you have a question or you just want to say hi and let me know how it is you listen to Weather Jazz, I would love to hear from you. Best way to do it, Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect Line 234-525-5888. Again, 234-525-5888. You can also email me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And if you're in and around the Cleveland area, I hope you join me at 5 and 7 p.m. on WJW Television. And if you live outside of the region and you're curious, you can always go to weatherjazz.com and click on the Fox 8 Live tab and click on the player. You can watch me at 5 p.m. and at 7 p.m. However, please remember, if you live outside of the Eastern Time Zone, to make the adjustment because uh, obviously uh, you'll miss me if you do not. So 5 and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Zone. Well, Open Line Friday right around the corner, and we'll announce the winner of my book, The Extra Mile, as well. Hope to see you then right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. Jazz Podcast.